They've watched Citizen Kane a combined 200 times. Elliot's first words were, I personally thought the use of Dutch angles was derivative in the 400 blows. In Nathan's favorite historical figure is Fritz Lang. Now they're bringing that snootiness to you with Magellan's at the Movies. Don't make any more gosh dang noises over there, you. Elliot! Excited? Yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> before we get started, uh, before we talk about anything else, I just want to say that I just saw, like a few hours ago, online that Jurassic World Dominion has made over a billion dollars. Uh, yes. were, were we not clear when we said that Jurassic World Dominion is a bad movie and you shouldn't watch it? I feel like... This should have been, you know, this should be closed business. I thought we, I thought we took care of this. Why did, why did people keep on watching Jurassic World Dominion? I think, I think it was a, a reverse cause that people saw we reviewed it and they were so excited to hear our opinion that they went out and saw the movie and then after the fact realized the error of their ways. That makes sense. That would explain the hundreds of thousands of extra views that episode got. Uh, after yeah, yeah, that would that would explain it. That would explain it. All right, enough enough amazing banter. We're we're joined by a, a friend acquaintance of the program. We'll downgrade that real fast. Whoa, <laughs> acquaintance. We're, we're joined by. I consider that a promotion. I'll say. <laughs> okay, all right. He's delusional. It's uh He's the commonly called the Fincher of Iowa State Film Club. It's it's Will Spaulding. Yes, I I do take the Fincher Film Club very seriously. Um, most people say it as a diss, and I take it as a straight compliment, and I'm proud proud of it. All right, and Elliot and Will have never met, so there's about to be so much just casual <laughs> chemistry <laughs> between the three members of the uh, the crew. Uh, I'm really excited, you know. We've got Will on. He chose a movie that no one on earth has seen, so no one would listen to his episode. That's, and that's my strategy as well. Good strategy. Good strategy. So, Elliot, why don't you introduce us to the film? What did we watch? And um, let's dive in. Let's jump in. He's He's, he did not. He did not call up information <laughs> before he started. You've been doing this the last, like, I don't even know uh, how many... How many times you've been doing this? All right. Well, we got we to gotta change it up. It gets boring. They get tired of hearing me explain things. They want to hear Elliot. That's all I hear. All of the feedback is, oh, we want to hear more of Elliot. Oh, Nathan needs to be removed from the podcast. That's very true. As a, as a longtime listener, I think I've, I've listened to every episode. I will wow. say the biggest criticism I have, Nathan. <laughs> One word, Nathan. <laughs> He's he's not funny. <laughs> well, looks are. I have good opinions. Hey, hey, looks aren't everything, folks. Looks aren't <laughs> everything. Oh, good thing. Good thing this is audio. All right, uh, Elliot, <laughs> break down the movie. Enough of enough of uh, making me cry at night. Let's let's dive in. All right, 
Steve Jobs is a 2015 movie directed by uh, Danny Boyle, starring Michael Fassbender and Kate Winslet. Uh, those are the two biggest roles. And written by Aaron Sorkin. Did pretty well. Uh, w- was very critically acclaimed. What is that face? Well, I just didn't. Th- I feel like it received a lot of critical acclaim, but then didn't do very well in terms of money or, honestly, awards, I'd say. All right. Just whatever. Just be quiet. <laughs> All right. My critical bad. Acclaim, uh, it was nominated for Best Actor and Best Actress for Michael Fassbender and Kate Winslet, respectively. I don't think either of them won, though. But yeah, it also had some nominations in the Golden Globes uh, and the BAFTAs. Um, oh, the BAFTAs. That's right. Winslet won the BAFTA award for Best Actress in a Supporting Role, so you can just oh. you can just tone down that dismissive, uh, oh, the BAFTAs. All right, my bad. I apologize to anyone who's a fan of the BAFTAs that's listening. <laughs> <laughs> to all the British listeners. To all the British liter- listeners. Okay, well, great introduction, Elliot. Uh, well, well, also, it's well, about it's about the uh, legendary tech giant Steve Jobs. Yeah, <laughs> important, important information. Sure, sure, sure. So, Will chose this. Oh, that's your foot. Will chose this uh, movie. Will, uh, opening thoughts. Why did you choose it? Why did you make us watch this? <laughs> why did I choose this movie, or why do I think it's good? Why do you think it's good? Okay. I guess you would okay. say that. A couple things. I love the structure of this movie. I think framing it really in a three-act structure is is really smart and works super well. As you know, we see lots of uh, standard biopics, or Nathan calls them biopics. Which I just okay, all right. No need mind. to say that. But uh, no, uh, th- this one coming at it from a different perspective of just giving us forty minutes in Steve Jobs' life at three different years even three different times in his life is, is super clever and the fact that it you know we talked about this nathan that it doesn't really uh care about getting a story right it's just telling a story i i don't even know how true this is um but i think that's smart to just have it be a, a it's just telling its story it doesn't care if it's telling the right story uh but then also it's so cleverly written uh super funny really smart and then, you know, the leads and really the whole supporting cast on down is 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 awesome. Wow. What, what an articulate person. <laughs> uh, Elliot, I'm actually really interested. I already know Will likes this, so I don't really care about Love his. this movie. One of my favorite movies, I should say. He's a big fan. I already knew this. Elliot, what did you think? You've been telling me to watch this for a couple years now. Uh, what are your thoughts on this movie? Not telling me. You've just been saying, like, oh, it's a decent movie or something. Yeah. Sorry, I'm being distracted by my canine companion here. Mm, um, so I I watched this, like, two years ago for the first time, uh, and I thought that it was just sort of, just sort of okay. Uh, watching it again, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought that the writing was really sharp. Um, Sorkin... For people who are in the movie scene, you know, I think Sorkin is pretty well known uh, as a screenwriter, and he's building up credit as a director. 
but mostly he's known for his writing, uh, which is very distinctive, snappy, clever, built on monologues and comebacks, and very, I don't know, snappy is a word I've already said. And sometimes, the reason I bring this up is because sometimes I feel like he can get away from himself, and it can, people can start spinning out these huge, elaborate monologues that I'm like, could you just bring it down a little bit and start talking like a normal person? Yeah. Here, I think it really works. Uh, and like you said, Will, the structure is very unique uh, and works really well for the movie of just taking these three chunks out of his life and showing them to the audience and how they shape his life while also revealing aspects about his character and by character i mean his personality his ideology stuff like that uh yeah really great movie not really like the other Three, two, not like the other Danny Boyle movies I've seen. Because mm. uh, he did Slumdog Millionaire, right? And also yeah. Train Spotting. Yeah. And both of those are really grimy, sort of gross, gritty movies. Uh, even the way they're filmed is, the way they're shot is very different from this movie, which is a lot more clean and more static there's a lot less shaky cam or quick zooms that uh he used in those other films but yeah again i think that it really works for this movie so this is the first time you've seen it yeah yes i've never seen this before this last week when i watched it with will which was so great i will i've seen this movie probably five times elliot i had the same thought as you did the first time you watched it. I think I thought it, I don't know if I thought it was okay, but I was like, yeah, this was cool. I mean, this was good. And every time I've watched it since, I think it's improved. Even on this last rewatch last week. And I'll also say Nathan was talking the whole time. I was so not I talking the whole time. <laughs> At his falls. There were, th this movie though, does require a lot of attention. Oh my. No, I'm not. No, no, no. Wait, just wait. It, I'm going somewhere. Kind of. So if you're, like, casually watching this movie, you'll probably think it sucks. If you're, like, really, like, watching and hearing every word that is said, because I think Sorkin is that crazy that he would argue every word he writes is law and you should respect it as such, then I think you'll appreciate it a lot more. All right. Enough, enough of these two easily wowed yuppies. Their opinion. How does Nathan feel? How does the real critic take to this movie? Uh, I really enjoyed it too. For a lot of the reasons you guys said, I think biopics can really fall into the trap of being very formulaic that we want to put people's lives into a three act structure and a nice, neat, like rise and fall sort of story. And so I agree with Will that the structure of this movie and doing just these three moments make it significantly more compelling and much more interesting to watch. And then also much more interesting to rewatch since it's not really telling a story of really Steve's rise and fall. It's more just three different windows that give you more and more insight into who Steve Jobs is 
as a person. And I found those really interesting. I think Steve Jobs is one of the more interesting figures of the last uh, couple decades just because of his story and what he did in terms of making Apple and how much Apple is still indebted to the ideas that Steve Jobs brought to the company, even though like uh, Wozniak says near the end, like Steve Jobs can't program. He never, he, he wasn't like a genius because he could make something amazing. He was a genius because he knew how to get people to buy something that other geniuses make. And so I thought that was really interesting. I also like to give a shout out. Neither of you have mentioned it. I thought the music was super, like, like super good, especially in terms of it changed distinctly. I felt at least between each of the three sections that, like, in the first section, it was much more tech, sort of like electro movie, electro sort of music, and then in the second act, it was orchestral stuff. And then in the third act, I can't really remember if I think it might have went back to more electro pop sort of sounds. But I just thought it was a really interesting way of even further differentiating the three things as well as just helping through. Yeah. And then I have I have a question. I always bring questions. So Will already kind of answered it. But I think, Elliot, this is the first true story or based on a true story that we've watched a movie of. So how how important do you think it is to tell something true when it comes to real-life figures? Or do you think, like Will kind of said, it's just a story, you know, who cares? Movie. Talk about this movie as well also because that's uh, <laughs> what the episode's about. <laughs> That's a that's a hard question. Then maybe just for this movie, do you think it matters to this movie if it's telling something that truly happened to Steve Jobs, or if it's just taking inspiration from things about Steve Jobs? I don't know how accurate this movie is. I'm assuming probably not very. I think that with biopics, especially, oftentimes movies set out to capture the spirit. Of an event more than they do, uh, or the of a person more than they do the actual record of an event or a person, mm-hmm. and the immediate reaction is probably to dismiss that uh, as being worth serious consideration, at least from a historical perspective. Uh, I would disagree. I think that the less tangible sides of uh, an event or a person, you know, what they represent, uh, what they mean to people, the kinds of more human, almost emotional, I think I already said that, parts of the story are parts of the story, you know? It's not like they're ancillary to uh, the actual events. The human aspects of human history are very important to human history. So I'm generally pretty forgiving of inaccuracies in biopics or movies based on history, as long as the movie as a whole seems to be making a good faith effort to communicate something about uh, the history that it's talking about. 
And I do think that this movie satisfies that category because I absolutely think it's trying to communicate something about Steve Jobs, who he was, the impact he had, and what, what drove him. All of which are legitimate historical inquiries. Will, I'm assuming you agree with... Yeah, I, I, I would. I think the movie should not have to take liberties to tell how true of a story this was. It should really just try to tell the best story possible to make the best movie possible. That's far more entertaining to me than making sure that every single line in the movie is true and Steve Jobs said it all. I think I think that yields better stories anyway. If I wanted to know everything about the product launch of the Mac, the Black Cube, and the iMac, I wouldn't go to this movie to learn about that. I would go somewhere else to learn about that if I were interested in it. So I think it it's sh- the the movie's number one job should be to tell an entertaining and an entertaining story and I think it does that. Wow. You guys are so this is such a happy thing. We didn't plan this. Will and Elliot just agree on everything. We so. do. I, well, I I try to be agreeable, so. All right. Um <laughs> Elliot, do you have a question or a thought you want to I do actually. I'm because Ooh. You are sort of the Steve Jobs person, or at least you know more about Steve Jobs, uh, specifically the tech, the kind of technology that he shepherded in, uh, although did not design himself. No. So I'm interested to hear what kind of attitude you had going into this movie. Like, what do you think about Steve Jobs? Were you looking for or hoping for this movie to demonize him, lionize him, because he is sort of a controversial figure in terms of the, I don't know, moral slash intellectual worth of the part that he played in ushering in the age of the internet. Yeah, I guess I wasn't going into it hoping it would demonize him. I was hoping it was certainly going to be an honest look at who he sort of was as a person who I don't think you have to dig too deep into Steve Jobs's just like quotes and how he lived his life to realize that he was a bit of a narcissist, that he had a bit of maybe a God complex in some ways. Well, this movie portrays him as that. <laughs> and so the movie, yeah, I, I thought the movie was a very faithful adaptation of both the negative qualities of Steve Jobs, especially in terms of every scene with Wozniak, that Wozniak is legitimately the person behind a lot of the things that were amazing in terms of technological breakthroughs that Apple made. And he's been almost entirely written out of history. I mean, he was a trivia question at Trivia a couple weeks ago that it was like, Steve Jobs invented Apple and did all these amazing things. Who was that other schmuck? <laughs> And so a lot of those scenes with Seth Rogen as Steve Wozniak really highlight that fact that Steve was a bit of a jerk, that he had a tendency to slide other people under the rug to the benefit of Apple in some ways, because I think Apple certainly benefited from having just one person as its face, especially someone who was so good in front of crowds as Steve Jobs was, but to the detriment of them. 
that he refuses to ever acknowledge the Apple II, t- their, yeah, the Apple II, Apple II. yeah, the Apple II team. So I was really happy with it, and I thought it also, it didn't try super hard, but there's moments like when he has the first conversation with Jeff Daniels's character, who I can't remember the name of, where they kind of try and mine the more human elements of Steve Jobs that he, and especially all of the scenes with his wife and his alleged daughter. I don't know what the truth in any of that is. So I thought it was a very compelling portrait of someone who had a lot of negative qualities, but then it's also kind of looking to see where some of these positive qualities factor in and come out. So I was really, you know, I was happy. And there was no scene of them trying to design something where I had to die of cringe because it wasn't how anyone does computer programming. So that was nice. There's only there's really only one scene where they're, like, designing something. But yeah. it's like a flashback in the garage. Yes. So. Yeah. Which I did. I like that, too. Honestly, the flashbacks to, like, Steve and Steve in the garage, I thought... And also the flashbacks in the second act when he's talking and then it's flashing back to the night that Steve was voted out, that it's very, it's very good at getting you into sort of the past of these characters and where they're coming from in this present moment. And that, you know, in that moment, Steve was probably thinking about that memory and what it meant to him now on the other side of it which I find interesting. Yeah, you're you're definitely touching on what is absolutely my favorite part of this movie, that I think it is a fantastic character study mm. because it is, like, entirely devoted. Every part of this movie is devoted to trying to get into Steve Jobs' head and try to figure out what's driving him. And it does create an incredibly compelling portrait of this mixture of, like, idealism about the progress of humanity, but also greed, uh, both, both for money and for attention and, uh, and fame, and also this deep sort of hubris of wanting to, like, really wanting to seize the reins of the progress of human civilization and try to change it. Like, he's not... I The sense that you get from this movie is that he's not just trying to sell something. I mean, he is trying to sell something, but he also legitimately believes that he's pushing humanity into, like, the next phase of its evolution or something. And it's hubristic and arrogant and egotistical and also just completely engrossing that's there's that you can put that uh put that little blurb on the dvd case (laughs) all right i'll be sure to tell danny that he does say uh the allies win the war and this is the second most impactful thing in the 20th 20th century which is fantastic Yeah, if you look up any quotes from Steve Jobs, when he convinced Jeff Daniels' character... John Scully, I just looked John Scully, thanks, Will. When he convinced John Scully to leave Coke, his exact quote was, whatever, cheese Lee, this guy. His exact quote was, 
Do you want to continue wasting your life selling people sugar water? Or do you want to come to Apple and change the world with me? That every single quote about Apple is, yeah, him being like, I am pushing humanity to the brink. And this is so, but it's also, he's not entirely wrong. I mean, I think especially with the reoccurring idea of that he's so obsessed with the drawing, the painting that she did in paint in that first act, that he keeps mentioning it because I think it is such an incredible distillation of what makes the computer so amazing. That a child can get something that they've never seen before, that they have no way of comprehending, and it's so intuitive and so easy to grasp that she was able to make a drawing. And that it's like, if a kid can do this, what can someone really amazing do with a computer? So that's just, I find computers amazing for that reason. And so seeing that on screen was really neat for me. Will, do you have any uh, question to ask? I did, I did want to ask you guys, uh, you know, we talked about the structure of it just a little bit, but really, and we can just take any one of the three acts and it's really broken down into like three or four conversations. That's really, there's like three or four scenes, you know, in the first one, it's just jobs, uh, his assistant and Michael Stuhlbarg's character. They're talking on the stage about the computer having an issue. Then they go into the dressing room and they talk to his supposed child and her mother. And then they go behind stage and he's talking to John Scully. Like that's really the whole first act is them just having, or Steve Jobs just talking to three different groups. And it really, oh, and uh, throw was in there too, my bad. Uh, So yeah, four conversations. The acts two and three are really the same, uh, the same people, maybe in a different order. Uh, Does that stuff work for you guys? Or does it feel like, oh, we're just getting to the next uh, dialogue piece? It's more just like a a setup for the next thing. Mm. Because I I really like that. I think it's it's clever that we get, you know, all of our time with Steve, plus he gets his time, you know, with each character. And then, you know, not everyone's on screen at the same time. We really get to learn a lot about John Scully. And we get to learn a lot about mm-hmm. Wozniak. We get to learn a lot about Andy, Andy Hertzfeld. I don't even know what he does. <laughs> Good but, job. <laughs> uh, you know, we learn a lot about these characters. So does that work or no? Uh, works for me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that the structure. I wasn't sure if it felt too much like just set up or if it really does feel fluid. No, I think it's very fluid. And I think that, again, it it really plays into this movie's laser focus on the character uh, of Steve Jobs, both the character in the movie and, you know, the character of history because I think that there's not, I think that none of these conversations are fat, you know, not all of them necessarily drive the plot forward, but all of them are trying to reveal something about Steve Jobs uh, or the people that he works with. All of the conversations serve serve that ultimate end that this movie is so devoted to, which again, I think is absolutely the best part about it. I think when we did our, um, 
When we did our epi Getting to Know the Magellans episode, I think I said that what makes a movie good for me um, is when it has a clear, focused vision that everyone is devoted to, when a movie knows exactly what it wants to be, what it wants to say, what it wants to do, and all of the parts are sort of geared towards achieving that. And I think that this movie is a fantastic representation of that. Mm -hmm. That all of, the, all of its parts are dedicated to a singular goal, uh, and it's all being... All of the different moving parts are being overseen and operated by very talented people. So yeah, I think it works. I think it works perfectly. Yeah, I think the common critique I see against Aaron Sorkin, besides his scripts being just very wordy, is a lot of times it's very obvious that he's more trained in playwriting than screenwriting, and that a lot of his movies could come across as just a play and require a really talented director to really bring a cinematic quality to the screenplay that he's made. I think this movie feels like a play though. Yeah. That's like what I was going to yeah, say is that this, I just beat you to this it. movie more than I think his other ones that I've seen really feels like a play. And I don't think it's a bad thing because I think Danny Boyle is a very talented director. And so he does bring a cinematic quality so it's never just scene after scene of static shot reverse shot, which would be very boring and annoying to look at. Instead, it's he's constantly finding new ways. There's a lot of motion. There's a lot of characters walking to a place and then the intercutting with flashbacks in some of the other more static things keeps these conversations from it being this is like, you know, the 10th conversation we've seen, but seen between Steve Jobs and his assistant. And it's so boring to me now that it keeps it very fresh every time. I want to say real quick, Nathan had no idea that Kate Winslet was the same actress from act to act. He asked me all three acts. Is that Kate Winslet? I said, <laughs> yes, it is. Actually, every time I think I asked if it was a different actress. So the first time I was like, whoa, it's Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> and then the second time, I don't know who I thought it was the second time, but I did not think it was Kate Wynn. I, yeah. Yes. Wow, that that's, is, that's huh? bad. That, that's bad. Oh, whatever. Okay. Cheapers creepers. <laughs> but uh, while we're on the subject, I think that... I agree this does sort of feel like a play. I agree it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, 12 Angry Men feels like a play, but that movie's fantastic. But uh, the two... Well, yeah. The two things that are really going to... That you're really going to need to get right when you're making a movie like this that is play-like, I think, are the direction, like you were talking about, and the performances. Uh, so this is my segue uh into the performances i think that there's not a there's not a bad performance in the bunch even the different child actors that play lisa all uh do very well michael fassbender is fantastic he's a really talented actor kate winslet despite being apparently uh constantly uh changing and confusing poor old nathan um <laughs> That that must be Nathan. That must be why every time 
you see me in a different shirt, you're like, who are you? What? Okay, okay, okay. What's going on here? enough material on Nathan <laughs> can't recognize Kate Winslet. No, no I, I think that... Okay, good. <laughs> Kate Winslet does a really good job. Uh, her accent's kind of funky, but so is Michael Fassbender's, to be honest. His accent is really weird. Seth Rogen, I generally don't like Seth Rogen as a se- more serious actor, but I think he, he pulls it off here. Jeff Daniels, obviously... And then the guy who plays Andy Hertzfeld, I should really know his name because I've seen him a lot. In, what is it? Michael Stuhlbarg. Michael Stuhlbarg, Michael Stuhlbarg. yes. He's also great. Uh, and uh, I think kind of an underrated actor. I uh, Obviously underrated because I didn't even know his name. But uh, he's been in a lot of stuff that I really liked. He was in Trumbo. He was in A Serious Man. He's surprisingly... Uh, prolific and i think that he does really good here but uh yeah what do you guys think of the performances i, I bet that there's going to be a lot of a lot of discord and uh difference <laughs> i promise i'll say one bad thing later or not oh, i'll, bad, I'll say a bunch of bad things i think everyone in this this cast is great yeah i think uh, uh fassbender has so much screen presence and it's easy to focus on him but really everyone around him is acting their butts off. And if you're not getting out acted by Michael Fassbender, you must be doing a pretty good job too. Uh, yeah. Stuhlbarg is a great character actor. Daniels in serious work is, is really good too. And I, I, I think you're right, Elliot. The big surprise for me is that all three child actors are really good. And the performances definitely aren't the same because they're way different ages, but uh you can tell it's the same character. Sometimes not all that comes across when you have like different children playing the same character. It, it can sometimes be weird. So it works. Yeah. I, I'm kind of a moron when it comes to acting. Uh, you have to be really, really atrociously bad for me even to begin to recognize that something's wrong. <laughs> Cause I'm just easily impressed. As soon as someone's on a screen, I'm like, yep, actor right there. They're acting. But I agree. I, I think everyone does a really fantastic job. I was telling Will right after we saw it that I think Fassbender, Fassbinder, whatever his name is, really had a fantastic decade in the 2010s in a lot of movies that, in my opinion, are not... Not even very good movies sometimes. <laughs> well, yeah, he's great in The Snowman. Um, but in movies that did not receive maybe as much critical or commercial acclaim because he's really good in this, which I don't think I see mentioned a ton. He's really amazing in, he has an adaptation of Macbeth that I just watched. That's great. He's in Steve McQueen's shame, which is really, really good. And he is one of the defining features of the movie being so good. He's great in 12 years a slave. I've heard he's in hunger and he's really good. in yeah, hunger. He's, he's really good in hunger too. That's a really physical performance too, which is, way different than just saying words <laughs> which is what he's doing here they also uh put zero effort into making michael fassbender even remotely look like the man steve jobs i think that's just funny i, I like that until the last one when they're like oh well i guess this is how he iconically looks so we'll put the bare minimum but it's still obviously michael fassbender it's like 
it's not like Christian Bale and Vice where you're like, whoa, it's Dick Cheney. I mean, it's clearly Michael. Yeah, they they were just like, yep, yep, get a black turtleneck, get some glasses, we're good to go. Yep, slick back the hair a bit. Yep, looks like Steve to me. <laughs> that at the end when it's like putting him out of focus, that was the most he looked like Steve Jobs right there, like I the thought. The last shot. Yeah, the last shot. He's kind of walking off. Yeah, when he's basically just a blob of pixels. That's when he looks the most like Steve Jobs, in my opinion. But let's let's dive into some negatives. I think we've talked enough about we've enough, enough of about good stuff. We gotta bring in the bad stuff. Uh I think, like you guys have said, in a movie this immaculately constructed, things that then fall slightly outside of the construction really can aggravate me and also i'll just say this this is just a personal thing i hate dutch angles so much there's like one good use of dutch angles in cinema history and that's one of the final shots of noel coward's brief encounter other than that every dutch angle ever is trash and so danny boyle's insistence on using dutch angles annoys me and i dislike it but i think steve jobs assistant i think the character is clearly a construction just so Steve has someone to talk at in scenes where he's not talking to one of the other characters who is a real person. Are you talking about Kate Winslet or Jennifer Lawrence? Shut up. (laughs) I know who it is. (laughs) Um, But I thought, especially in like the last bit, like she's so dedicated to things and you're like, why? It's Steve Jobs. He's such a douchebag. That I just felt like her character felt very out of place in a script with very little fat. I don't know what I would change to make it better. I just know I don't love it the way it is. Hmm. But that's really, honestly, yeah, besides the Dutch angles and that character, um, I thought it was a pretty good movie. What do you guys, do you guys not see that? or uh, For the Dutch angles, it... <laughs> It doesn't really bother me. I don't know why you're so bent out of shape about them. It, I think it like provides like this movie has a lot of like manic energy. I think it kind of helps that sometimes. As for Kate Winslet's character, I guess I could see where you're coming from, but I you mentioned the third act. I just think that she's you know, I don't know if he had an assistant that was that long of a tenure, but She's known him in this movie, we're led to believe, for almost 20 years. I think maybe she just hit a breaking point is kind of what the movie is displaying and that she wants Steve to be a good a good dad because that's the right thing to do. She goes about it differently than, you know, like Waz does, but she's saying the same things kind of. So it doesn't bother me. But I, I guess I get that. Uh, well, I don't love Dutch angles. I have to be honest, I didn't really notice them here. Uh, <clears throat> I'm struggling to summon a There's a memory. lot. I will say that. There is a There's quite a, quite a few. Yeah. Wow, that that's that's weird. That's like, you, you know, watching with someone who vocally complained every time one was on screen, <laughs> then you would have noticed well, it like, well. Correct. I Elliot, I think if you go back in our like I'm not saying go back and watch this today, but like if you if you go back and watch it again at some point in your life, you'll be like, oh yeah, there's quite a bit of Dutch angles here. Okay, well, uh, so I can't really comment on the whole Dutch angles thing. I think that Kate Winslet's character is fine. I think that she's definitely 
she's a good foil for Steve because she's a more um, a more human kind of warm presence to counterbalance uh, his less human, colder personality. I understand, uh, I guess I understand what you're saying. It just doesn't really bother me that much because I think that she she serves her purpose very well. And of course, Kate Winslet is a very talented actress. Uh, for my own negative, the... Okay, what are you doing? Why do you make these faces? I'm just trying to get you to break. <laughs> All right, well, anyway, just stop. Um... You made me lose my train of thought. Right, so my negative is there are a few stylistic flares that I really don't understand that feel really out of place when, like, concepts or things off-screen are projected on-screen. So when he's reading the verses of poetry that he might want to choose with John Scully and the words appear on the screen, I was like, that... That's very strange, because nothing like that ever really happens again until he's talking to Joanna about the um, a satellite uh, that NASA launched before it was ready because they thought that they, uh, I mean, according to him, it's possible he was just making all this up, uh, <laughs> before it was ready because they thought that they could get it ready in the time it took to set up. And he's standing in this corridor and the one wall of the corridor, an, an image of a launching rocket is projected onto it, and I have no idea what purpose that serves. I mean, it just takes you right out of the movie because it's so out of place and doesn't do anything. It's very strange. I, I It's like the remnants of a different, more kind of whimsical movie that just got accidentally left in the draft when somebody was tidying it up and, you know, changing the tone. Yeah, that's 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 really weird. It's not a huge deal, but every both times it happened, it really it took me out of it. It is kind of odd. Uh, the only reason it doesn't bother me that much is they do have those like news segments where things are flashing on the screen. Those only happen in between acts. Uh, but those kind of remind me of them. But yeah, those those two moments are a little jarring. It is just a little odd. Yeah, I guess I I noticed the poetry thing when it had the words on screen, and I think I commented. You did, you did say that. <laughs> Will already got to hear all my thoughts. I vocalized all of them as we watched the movie. <laughs> and this is what I mean when Nathan talked the whole time and missed everything. It was a silent picture, right? He, does, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't even know what, who the movie's about. <laughs> Steve Wozniak. <laughs> um, uh, but actually, I thought the rocket launch thing was cool, just because I, I thought it was a really neat visual thing. So I don't. I don't know. I guess we're all just weirdos for what we get annoyed by, and then what we don't get annoyed by. <laughs> The one thing that's never quite stuck with me, I, I don't know if I'm missing something. The relationship, or no, the relationship between him, he and John Scully is fine. I didn't mean that. The way he talks about his birth father and his first adoptive parents and his second adoptive parents has always been slightly odd to me. I don't know what he's like, what Sorkin is trying to get at with that. They mention it maybe only two or three times. 
but it's always I, I don't know what it's in context to and it just kind of comes out of nowhere that's my one I don't even know if it's a complaint I just don't know what it's trying to get at mm-hmm. I was really trying to like watch this time too because I kind of know when it's coming up because I've seen the movie probably five times but so I was really trying to watch this time like okay what's the context around it and I, I still don't get it I, I felt like it was just kind of humanizing Steve that, Jobs. That certainly it was just be. a little, I don't know, didn't jump out at me. Everything feels so designed. I was also a second I, script, though, so that's why I was kind of thinking that there has to be something else. Yeah, I was talking through that whole scene, so I actually, I don't even know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Do we have any other uh, closing thoughts before we get to ratings? Any other... I don't uh I don't have any in my notes. Really awesome ending. I love the ending. Oh yes. Where he, like uh, he kind of That's really the only like bearing plot from act to act is kind of his relationship with his daughter. I suppose the relationship with other people too, but that's the main one. And to kind of reconcile himself at the end is is nice. Even though again, I don't know if that's true, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, I thought I thought like the last shot was really fantastic. I love movies where they kind of admit that they can only get so close to really depicting reality or really telling you something. So I felt like a final shot where he walks on stage and then slowly gets more and more out of focus that the movie's almost admitting it's like, how much can we really tell you about Steve Jobs? And isn't he ultimately just an out of focus figure on a stage that he was just this... It's totally what Danny Boyle was thinking. <laughs> I think it was. I called him before this to ask, and that's what he said. <laughs> he so. That, yeah. <clears throat> so I agree. I think the ending's very, very good. I Also, this is super insignificant, but I love that it doesn't have, like, uh, Steve Jobs died on this day, and he did this. I think that stuff is sometimes really annoying, and I like that it doesn't have it. Interesting. Elliot, do you have any... Uh, Close, any final things you want to say? Nope. <laughs> All right, cool. Love that. You give me so little to work with. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Will, you go first with the uh, rating. And remember, you have to have generated a new, unique rating system. This is going to get harder. Our, like, fourth or fifth guest is going to have a brutal time of it. Just uh, don't do just don't do a letter grade or on a scale of one to ten, and it'll be fine. It also has to be different from other guests we've had, though. Too. Well, just don't do the whole strike thing, which was amusing, but also very much a product of Jake's <laughs> unique imagination. I actually thought about this before. I think I thought about this yesterday. I was walking to one of my classes, and I thought, you know, like you know, Nathan does the the out of ten. Elliot, you do the grade. I thought, well, I have to do something different. So I, I you know, I, I thought back to the the movie reviewing goats, uh, <laughs> Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel, which uh, we kind of think our, of ourselves as a modern Ebert and Siskel. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I love those two. So I'm going to go with their, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down, and I'm giving this one two thumbs up. You just did two thumbs up. I did. Uh, that's that's for the VIP. You have to pay extra for this one. Of uh, that's for the that's for the good folks on Patreon. Yes, it is. They exist. You won't be able to find it because you have to send a special request. 
So if you want to pay money, you have to you have to ask. <laughs> All right, two thumbs up from Will. Not going to explain it. That's an interesting choice. Well, I think my <laughs> I think what I've said throughout the entirety of reviewing it is explanation enough. But yeah, I guess I really love the writing, the acting, directing works. Um, what what else goes into a movie? Editing is awesome. Uh, I like the cinematography. I like the costume design. Making the <laughs> department did a great job. Uh, the catering folks that got to shout out them. Great spread. Lots of good breakfast, lunches, breakfast and lunches. Yeah, they looked. The actors looked well fed. <laughs> <laughs> Which you can't say about Michael Fassbender in Hunger, am no, I right? You can't. <laughs> I, I did say I'm in the same room as Nathan. I said this this catering spread you have is is lackluster. Yeah, there is no food here. There is, there is no not even for me. I have no I'm gonna be starving tonight. All right, Elliot, you're ready. <laughs> Two thumbs up for me. Okay, so <clears throat> yeah, don't have much to add. Great movie, great writing, some of Sorkin's best. Uh, he's really playing to his strengths here, and he's in he's working in a movie that I think is tailor-made for the kind of writing that he's most well-known for. Great performances, just a really good character study. Uh, the only problem I have is the weird stylistic flares, but that's not a huge issue. Again, just because I don't have a whole lot of positives or negatives on a movie I like or dislike doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to have, like, the ultimate rating. Uh, but, yeah, I would say that this gets pretty close. I'm going to give it an A-. minus. Wow. Good grief. All right, my turn. Time, time for a nice ice cube. I keep talking like – I've talked very highly on this <laughs> <laughs> Four out of ten. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's really good for a lot of the reasons you guys said. Really, my only negative is I do think there's some parts, specifically his assistant, I think really um, suffers. And then the Dutch angles genuinely does annoy me. I <laughs> Twilight has so many Dutch angles, and it's a meaningful part of me disliking Twilight as much as I do. But there's a lot that's bringing the movie up from its Dutch angles. Uh, like we've talked about the writing. I'm endlessly engrossed in films about scumbags and kind of what makes them tick. So I find this movie very interesting. Really relate to Steve Jobs personally. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a 7.8 out of 10. We'll say that. All right. So now... Everyone's favorite favorite part of the, the podcast. Recommendations. Will, we, always, we always, yep, big whoop for the crowd. Uh, we always let the guests go first, I think. Maybe we don't, but now we do. <laughs> Will, what's your, what's your recommendation? Uh, you guys told me yours beforehand, and I think I, think I know the theme. And I'm, I'm slightly breaking away from that, but if you really think about it, there, there's, there's a there's – a, tie-in there's not really but i'm materializing one in my head my recommendation for the week is one of my other favorite movies from 2015 is the big short uh directed by adam mckay uh, i think it has a lot of similar aspects as um steve jobs really high energy uh quick quick pace fast writing 
um, good performances. So I'm going to go with the big short. As just – this has nothing to do with anything, but as kind of a, a person in the accounting world, I think you're an accounting or I'm some – Finance major. Finance. As a finance major, does it really make you happy in the big short to see finance people be even moderately cool? It's actually funny. Uh, when a lot of people in my classes talk about – you actually asked me this. Do yeah. people talk about The Wolf of Wall Street? And the answer is yes. It's really cringe. I like that movie, but it's like – Weird that people in finance classes Google at that movie. I just always think none of you have seen The Big Short. Yeah, they should be Googling The Big Short. Yes. All right. Well, that's interesting. Yes, it, it is <laughs> rewarding that I see cool finance people. Good for good for you. Everyone deserves it. Elliot, uh, what's your recommendation? All right. So my recommendation, I definitely went with a movie that's similar to what I've talked about at length already. My favorite part of this uh, of Steve Jobs as a character study, one that's very devoted to uh, its subject. So I know Nathan, you don't love this movie, but I'm, uh, which doesn't matter. It's not like I take what you like or dislike into consideration when I'm recommending things. Uh, but I'm going to recommend There Will Be Blood, which is a movie by, oh shoot, it's not Paul Thomas Paul, Anderson. Yeah. Paul Thomas, and okay, for some reason I was thinking of the guy who. Uh, directed the <laughs> Resident Evil movies, Paul W.S. Anderson. Paul w. S. Anderson? <laughs> <laughs> I get them confused often. <laughs> Boogie Nights. Huh? Uh, yeah. So, PTA, as he's otherwise known, uh, who's a director who I kind of have a love-hate relationship with. Uh, for me, he either really hits or really misses. This is definitely one of his hits. It's a, it is absolutely a character study of a a partially fictitious um, oil tycoon in, I believe, what is it, like late 19th century America? Doesn't really matter. But um, he is based on a real person, I think, but it's not based on a true story. It's not a biopic, basically. But uh, the movie is just one big character study of a man who's like Steve Jobs, extremely driven, dedicated to this one vision, although his is significantly less magnanimous than Steve Jobs. Daniel Plainview, uh, the character, isn't that his name, right? Yeah? yeah, I'm not yeah, yeah. Um, he's just dedicated to the idea of making cash, of, <laughs> of making money. Uh, yeah, it's a great... It's a great movie. It's very sort of a Shakespearean kind of uh, rise and fall. It's got um, Daniel Day-Lewis. Obviously, he's like a living legend. He plays the main character. Um, Paul he's Dano. like star... What? Paul Dano. Paul Dano. Yeah, that's what I was going to talk about next. Paul Dano He is plays this pastor that he's like sparring with because the pastor owns some land that he wants to drill uh, Paul Dano, you know, he's a creepy little weirdo, and he does a great job of playing creepy little weirdos, so good job on another successful creepy little weirdo, Mr. Dano. But yeah, I think that this is a great movie, and uh, definitely worth a watch, especially if you liked Steve Jobs, and if you just like character studies. Yeah, I think it's a great movie if you want to be bored for about an hour and a oh, half of your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nathan's unintelligent and stupid. <laughs> Uh, uh, I second Elliot's recommendation. 
I yeah. one Ellie's recommendation. I mean, disrespect. Um, I'm gonna go. Well, yeah, that's that's where it should be. Hopefully, okay. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna recommend kind of in the same vein as Ellie. I'm gonna give a shout out to an obvious rec. None of us did it, but the Social Network. If you like this, and in some universe where a person has seen Steve Jobs and not the Social Network. <laughs> Um, you should see The Social Network. It's another Aaron Sorkin written movie about a tech mogul. But my recommendation is uh, Citizen Kane, which very underrated film. Not a lot of people talking about this movie. <laughs> Never heard of it. I don't know. Yeah, what are you talking about? But just like There Will Be Blood in this movie, it's a movie character study about someone with very much a narcissist, very much a God complex and kind of what makes them tick and what is going on in there. What I think is so fascinating about Citizen Kane that can makes it continue to be as critically lauded as I think it deserves is the fact that it's a character study done exclusively from people from the outside looking in that there's never a moment where you get to hear how Citizen Kane feels or does it's always people's memories of him doing things which i think is fascinating and results in at least in my opinion an endless amount of speculation about the real character of kane and what made him tick what the meaning of his last words were and what the meaning of the final shot of the movie is and it's just fantastic it's a movie that i love that i think fully deserves its place in cinema history and more importantly our intro, because <laughs> we mentioned Citizen Kane in the intro. Did you refer to the character as Citizen Kane as if his first name is Citizen? I know it's Charles Foster, but people who haven't seen it don't know that. So if I say Charles Foster Kane, they might be confused. I think they would assume that's his what? name. Whatever. <laughs> you, have an, you have an intelligent listener, Shep. We do. Our average IQ on Spotify, 140. Nice. That's higher than mine. (laughs) No kidding. That's a lot. It is. All right. Well, uh, Will, it was great to have you on the podcast. Elliot, I would just, I just wanted to do this. Rank our three guests. So I know you've been friends with Jake and Ben for like almost a decade and you've known Will for a little under an hour. Hey, the, the timer up there says a little over an hour. Oh, a little over an hour. So Elliot, rank rank the guests in terms of your enjoyment of them as a human being. I <laughs> am not on the episode. No prior. Did you say I'm not doing that? Damn it. All right, whatever. Well, Will, it was great to have you on. We love uh, your support. Nathan last. <laughs> Whoa, I'm not one of the people. <laughs> oh, my bad, my bad. No, it was awesome. Thanks for thanks for having me. Absolutely. Maybe in a year or two we'll have you again. Okay, I just want to say that uh, life is hard and full of disappointments. Also, Nathan, I should let you know that I'm probably going to get a haircut uh, this week. So next time we do this, I'll make sure to have a name tag so you know it's me because I know you really oh. Oh. oh, good one. So funny. All right. That's enough of these jokes.